And the reading this morning is from Leviticus chapter 16, um, verses 1 to 17. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash round him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household and he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the tablets of the atonement, above the tablets of the covenant law so that he will not die. He is to take some of the bull's blood and with his finger sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover. Then he shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take the blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and the rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out, having made atonement for himself, his household 
and the whole community of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Just going to go back here. (laughs) She's running away. After that reading. (laughs) Didn't think using the font for my notes would be a good Mm -hmm. idea. Welcome, everyone. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Sophie. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. Um, And I keep getting that muddled in my in my mind. I say the wrong church, so it's good that I got that right. Um, Brilliant. So some of you are also visiting or new today, which is good for me because I am quite new. And you might be sitting there thinking you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea how things work when things happen. Well, I feel exactly the same every time I come to church at the moment. So you're in good company with me speaking. It might be why they chose me. I don't know. Um, And you might have noticed that that reading was really boring if you've just come to church for the first time or if you've come to church for the whole of your life. Uh, That reading is really difficult to listen to. Anyone? Just me. Okay, good. So we're all on the same page. I'm new and I don't know what's going on and the reading was a little bit dull and we're going to unpack that today. So I've made some nice slides, as you can see, um, with some fancy writing, so that will probably help write if the reading's really dull, then maybe that will, that will help if you can see some... No? Not helping? Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so, as I said, I'm new, uh, and I've just moved to Camberley, which means something that I didn't realise it would have to mean, that I have to buy new curtains for a house. I've never had to buy curtains before, because I've always rented, and the house just comes with curtains. Has anyone had to buy curtains and had the issue that I've had, where... You measure the width of the window. And what you think is the width of what your curtain should be is very much not. Anyone? <laughs> oh, <laughs> quite a few people. I said that this morning at the 9am, and I'm pretty sure most people at 9am probably made their own curtains or something because they didn't laugh. Um, and I was like, oh no, it's just me. Um, so I now uh, have a pair of really long and skinny curtains for a window. <laughs> That's really short and very wide. Um, And it got me thinking as we've been putting curtains up in the house. They're not done yet because I find it so traumatic. Um, It got me thinking that there are curtains in in my own life that I, I do with my life the very thing that curtains do for my windows. I block things out. So where there's stuff in my life that's difficult, stuff that maybe I'm ashamed of, maybe even times when I feel lonely, I tend to draw the curtains around my heart and don't let people in, and I don't let God in. Um, And I think somehow I can hide. So I have also noticed that my new housemates don't tend to open the curtains very much. Um, So I'll wake up in the morning, and they've already gone to work because I only live five minutes from the church, so I don't have to get up very early. Um, So that's great. Uh, And they've already left, and they haven't opened any curtains. If you have teenagers, I'm sure you know that, that predicament where they don't do the little jobs. Well, again, I've never had to deal with that because I've only ever lived with adults or my sisters. And when I was younger, I was the one doing that. So they're not opening the curtains. And I wake up and I think, oh, no, everyone's going to think I'm not here. The house is right on the corner. Everyone can see. Everybody knows I live there. They're going to think I'm not doing any work. The curtains are being closed. Or if I stayed away and I come back, the curtains are all closed. And I think, oh, no. No one's going to know I'm here. And then I think, oh, no one's going to know I'm here. (laughs) This could work to my advantage. So I block 
the curtains can block things out. In the, in the heat, recently, I don't know how many of you tried every technique to stop your house from burning up. Um, England is not set up for hot weather. Uh, in, I lived in India and they had fans and they had air conditioning and they had 35 degree heat, but it didn't matter. Whereas in England, we suddenly get 30 degree heat and we just melt. We don't even have ice trays, really, for the most part, unless you've got a fancy fridge. And so you shut the curtains and you block the heat out. So curtains, they block things. And I wonder how many of you sitting here this morning have those same curtains in your life for various things. Maybe you're letting all the light in and life is great and you are like, come on, good morning life. Or maybe you're slowly closing the curtains because you feel alone in the thing that you're going through. Perhaps it's about keeping up appearances, being this person that everybody thinks you are and you're fed up. You, You know that somewhere inside you, that is not you. That is not the person that you have been called to be, that you've been designed to be. There's like a niggling feeling inside that says, there's something more than this. I'm not doing everything I could. I'm not doing everything I could achieve. I'm not living the way I want to live. Um, Perhaps it's in your character and you think, actually, there's some things I don't like about that. Cut and shut. And I don't think it's new to the human race at all. And that's kind of what we read about. Um, God in the beginning, this is why we're reading Leviticus. We've been working through the journey to the promised land, uh, which is God's chosen people, the people that he thought would be able to figure out what it looked like to live a holy life walking with God in close relationship again. God creates humanity. He creates us with this amazing pattern of living, to live in his step, to live really closely and intimately with him, being everything we've been created to be, those little niggling feelings, all of that. No more niggles. Everything's great and we are loved and we know what love is in its fullness and there is no hurt and there is no hatred. God created humanity with that in mind. And yet we get it wrong. So he, he creates the Day of Atonement for us. So this, the Israelite people who God has gone, okay, you keep getting it wrong. Has anyone heard the story of Noah? And he tries to wipe it. It was like, first I'll try and wipe everyone out. Great, that'll work. Gone. But still we get it wrong. Still we keep getting it wrong. And what we keep doing is turning our back on God and saying, I know a better way to do life. I know a better way to get things done. I'm going to worship a different God because it fits my boxes. It fits my boxes that there would be a God who can provide food for me, who can look after my family for me. We love boxes. And yet that's not how God created us to be. So the Israelite people come along and God says, right, you guys, you've got, you are going to get this now. Here's a list of things that you're going to do. And that's what we've been working through. God has saved them. He's brought them through the Red Sea, saved them from slavery. We've gone through all of this stuff. And if you want to read it, go for it. Uh, I'm not going to go through it now. But we get to Leviticus 16. And they've built a temple. 
where God can dwell. God's divine plan for humanity is that he would dwell with them, that he would live, that he would walk with them. So the temple is a way of God doing that. His presence is in the temple. And in the temple, there is this curtain. And behind this curtain is the Holy of Holies, God's presence, which is too much for us when we've walked away from God. Because when we turn away from God, we call that sin. And that sin is a block between us and God. So if we, sinful, broken, causing other people pain, just all this mess that we come with, if we go into God's presence like that, we die. Just like Aaron's sons did in that first line of the reading that we heard. They went in and they hadn't sorted out the stuff where they weren't in a good relationship with their community where they hadn't lived as they ought to live. And so they die, because God is so holy, God is so righteous, God is so majestic that they die. So God's like, okay, right, I don't want it to happen again. Like, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to walk with you. I have a pattern of love and of life for you. And so he says, Moses, tell Aaron, this is what he's going to do. Key Leviticus 16 with a really long list of everything he's going to do, which was only half of it, by the way, because I said, please don't read the whole thing. (laughs) And he has to wear certain clothes and he has to sacrifice certain animals for certain things. And all of this is a cultural way of them sacrificing things in place of their sin. So they go, I did this wrong. Here, have this bull. (laughs) It's very simplified, but... That's how they were having to live. And that day where that could happen, where Aaron would go into the temple and he would go behind the curtain for them on behalf of all his family, of all his community, and on behalf of the generations to come so that they could live like this. That happened once a year. So if he gets it wrong, that's it. They're not going to be walking in step with God. And you know what they did? They would tie a rope round. I don't know if you noticed that. They'd tie a rope round him. So when he went in behind this curtain, which, by the way, was an inch thick. Now, maybe don't trust my measurements, because I'm not great at curtains, but 60 foot high, and I don't even know how wide, as wide as the temple. Like, that's a thick curtain to go behind. They would tie a rope round him, drag him out if he died. They didn't really trust that he was going to get it right. And they're not going in there to get him. So they put a rope around him and they would drag him out. Now what on earth has this got to do with us right now? It's not got anything to do with how rubbish I am at measuring my curtains. But that curtain to the Israelites was everything. If they could get behind that curtain and atone for their sins, if they could make right with God, they could live in fullness of God's presence. That curtain meant freedom. That curtain meant they could live in eternity with God. That curtain was everything. But what about today? Because we don't... Well, there are a few curtains, actually. That was bad. Didn't really check that. I know. (laughs) We don't have a curtain where you have to go and meet with God or we have to send Tom, our vicar, in with a rope tied around him because he's got to sort stuff out for us. We don't do that anymore, so why not? And the answer is Jesus. 
in um, the story of Jesus when it gets to his crucifixion and he dies on the cross. He's fulfilling Old Testament scripture that God would send his son. That God would send a Messiah, someone to save the Israelites and the Jews from all of this stuff they had to do. That there would be someone who would save them. And they were thinking, yes, a warrior is coming. And then this guy turns up and he dies on a cross, which is the most brutal death that you could have died at the time. And they're like, hmm, not great. That wasn't really what we had in mind. But as he dies, in Luke 23, we read that the, the temple curtain, which the temple was still in existence right then, tore in half. An inch thick, 60 foot high, possibly, curtain ripped in half as Jesus died. Why? Because now we have access. Now we can go through the curtain, so to speak. Now we're able to meet with God. And we don't have to go anywhere special. We meet together here at church to celebrate what God is doing together. We don't have to go to the temple and take our pets and our animals and say, ooh, I have these because I did something really bad or because I'm fighting with my family or because I'm struggling with fear or because I'm struggling with keeping up appearances And I can't do it anymore. Because you know what, God? I do not want to live your way. This is the ultimate moment of reconciliation. When that temple curtain rips. And that temple curtain rips open and we are invited in by God. We are welcomed into his presence. And that can happen anywhere, anytime. And that's the invite today. That's why we have baptism. That baptism symbolizes death to life. If you have a full immersion, the baby just doesn't just get sprinkled. The baby's going right under. Or the person who wants to be baptized is going right under. When I lived in India, we did that in the ocean, which was actually quite scary. Because you go right out, as deep as you can get without putting your own head under. And then you throw them under the water. And the vicar, uh, the pastor that I was working for at the time, he kept them under for a little bit. I was like, this is, can we, can we lift them up now? Can we lift them up now? And he was like, this is good. <laughs> and he lifted them up. That was a really poor Indian accent. I apologize. I think that we need to be humble to recognize what God has done in our lives. What God has done through Jesus It takes a bit of humility to open the curtains of your heart and let other people in. It takes vulnerability, and it's scary and it's difficult. I think for some of us here, there might be stuff in our lives that we have never dealt with because we are so ashamed. And God wants to say, you're forgiven. He forgives you, and he wants you to walk his way because his way is full of life. There's a Hebrew word um, that is tov, which means good, I think. I'm not a scholar of Hebrew, but I love that word because it means life-giving. It says God created man and he was good. He had life in him. 
We don't want to be perfect. We want to be life-giving. We want to live a life of fullness. We want to live in the patterns that God has for us. And we want to open those curtains of our hearts and say, okay, God, what do I do now? And that can be easy for some of us maybe sitting here. We think, yeah, we're doing this all the time. This is great. I'm on it. And that's amazing and celebrate that. But sometimes there's stuff in our lives that's so difficult that we carry on doing the right thing, but in our hearts there's something else going on. Or we carry on living in the pattern of what we think is good. We go to work, we feed our kids, we, for some reason I've forgotten everything in your daily life that you do. Have a shower. (laughs) You go and you're the best friend you could be. You give out all the time, but there's something in your heart that is not quite right, where you know you are called to more. Well, God says, welcome. Walk with me. Come away with me. I'll show you how to live a life in the unforced rhythms of grace. And that's what he has for us today. Unforced rhythms of grace, where we might be reconciled to God. It said in the baptism liturgy, we all wander far from God and lose our way. Christ comes to find us and welcomes us home. If you've wandered or you feel lost, you are welcome home today. God wants to welcome you home. Is there stuff that you've been blocking out because you feel unworthy? Because you feel like what you bring to God is too much. Like he has not really noticed that you're actually the worst person here. And if he did know that, he wouldn't want to love you. You feel unlovable. Well, that's not true. No one in God's kingdom is unlovable. Not one of God's children is unlovable. But we just have to take that invitation that he gives us and say, yes, I want in. I want to walk with you. Oh, I've forgotten my prop. I know. I was doing so well. Uh, We have some of these booklets over just on the chair by the door. It's called a Why Jesus booklet. It's bright red so you can't miss it. Um, If you've never asked Jesus in, you've never opened the curtains, you've never said, yeah, I want to go home. I want to figure out what it means to walk and to live with God to do life differently because it's not working for me right now, then take a look at one of these booklets. It might help you. I know that when I first started coming to church or coming back to church, I would sit in the church and be like, why am I here? This is so uncomfortable. If these people only knew what I'd done, how I am, who I really am, what this feeling is I have inside me, they wouldn't welcome me here. And what I I wanted to do and what I did was like read things like this when no one else could see because it was much easier when no one else can see what you're doing. And so I read it. And And then I talked to my friends. I didn't talk to them first because that was too scary. So we have some of those booklets and we also have um, Alpha running on the 26th of September. Um, And I think there's flyers out the back as well, uh, out the front. Um, So if you want to find out what it actually means to walk and to live with Jesus, and maybe you have been doing so for your whole life and you've just got a bit lost on the way, join us. Read a booklet. Ask someone here, what 
what is this? I want in. I don't want ill-fitting curtains in the way of me and God anymore. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can celebrate baptism, that we can celebrate choosing to walk with you, choosing to live life with you. And we give to you now all those things in our hearts that we struggle with. Our fears, our anxiety, our despair, family crisis, a lack of hope, illness, discomfort in how we're choosing to live our lives. We give them all to you, whatever it may be, Lord. And we ask that you would renew us that you would redeem us, that you would make us right with you again. Help us to tear that curtain down that we put in the way, that we block. Whatever it is that's blocking, Lord, would you take it away, we pray. And Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us up, make us new again, that we would be able to live in a full way, in a life-giving way. That we, we will be able to live in such a way that honours you, that glorifies your name. Where we are being everything you've called us to be. And we thank you that you forgive us now and that you will welcome us home. In Jesus' name. Amen.